Welcome to the Writer's Spotlight, a project brought to you by Exhuming the Bones, the podcast for the Ohio chapter of the Horror Writers Association. Beyond the cracked sidewalk and the telephone pole with layers of flyers in a rainbow of colors and the patch of dry brown grass, there stood a 10-foot-high concrete block wall caked with dozens of coats of paint. There was a small shrine at the foot of it, with burnt-out candles and dead flowers and a few soggy teddy bears. One word of graffiti filled the wall, red letters on a gold background. Rejoice. A man wearing flannel and laceless boots, emitting the stench of months, sallied up to the golden wall and began to piss on it, at first limply, then with gusto. He sprayed in arcs, trying to hit the rejoice, but it was too high. Stepping back, he surveyed the dark and wild lines of his art, then shook his head. One of the candles was a tall glass bearing the image of Jesus. Ignoring that, the man's grimy fingers fondled the fuzzy ears of a bear and the breast-like arcs of a stuffed heart. He plucked a votive and poured out rainwater, sniffed it, and dropped it in one of his many deep pockets. He looked around to see if anyone cared. On the other side of the wall, Mrs. Casalto's espresso cup froze mid-lift. Her ears quickened at the sound of urine. She pressed her lips together and willed dead the one who would do such a thing. By the familiar, uneven gait, she knew who that someone might be that he had finished his vile business and was messing with the shrine. Don't you dare touch that! Mrs. Castalto tilted her coiffed head skyward and threw her frail voice with force. She was rewarded with a slurred curse and shuffling steps that got farther and farther away. That's right, mister. You keep right on going. And don't you pee on my wall. No more, neither. The Italianized Castalto bungalow sat right next to the drunk's lucky traffic light. Lucky because once a driver gave him a hundred-dollar bill. Ever after, the drunk sat cross-legged on his flattened cardboard box and worked the morning rush hour from Mrs. Castalto's tree lawn. He knew, no matter how much his presence annoyed her, Mrs. Castelto wouldn't say a word. For until today, she had spoken to exactly no one on Sackett Avenue. The drunk was so astounded by her phlegmy voice, he couldn't help but obey. In spite of her grief, Mrs. Castelto chuckled at the thought of surprising the drunk with nothing but her voice, and finally telling him off. Why had she waited so long? Hope you never come back. Hope if you pee on my wall again, it shrivels and falls off. Today was the first day Mrs. Castelto felt up to having her espresso outside, among the hydrangea bushes and asters that framed her wrought-iron table and claimed the sweet shade provided by the hawthorn tree. For most of the week it had rained on and off, as if the Blessed Mother was crying right along with her, with everyone who heard about the awful thing that happened. For a week afterward, Mrs. Castalto refused to enter the patio. She neglected to sweep the cobblestones or wipe the table, 
and a layer of nature's lint had settled on everything. As she fluffed the cushions, tears blurred her vision. She blamed herself. She defended herself. Inside her head was an entire jury trial during which the espresso got cold. She dumped it into the asters and had a quiet cry. She closed her eyes, remembering. That day had been just like this one, mildly cool and tranquil, her tree lawn blissfully absent of one inebriated panhandler. She had just found a new recipe for quiche and was pouring over the ingredients when she was interrupted by a thud and a clipped cry. Had a bird flown into the wall? She frowned and read on. The thing chirped more. Then came the sound of ripping fabric. Then, snarling. The snarling pushed Mrs. Castalto upright, ears cocked and straining to hear. If she wanted to see, she'd have to go through the house. By then, the commotion would be over. And surely the bird, was that what it was? Was a goner anyway? Mrs. Castalto was beginning to doubt because, though it chirped like a bird, it made heavy scrapes along the sidewalk, and something tinkled like metal. Mrs. Castalto would later find out those were earrings. Hey, old woman! The drunk was back. There was no mistaking that scuffling gait and the box dragging along behind him. What happened? He waited for a response that wasn't coming. I know you can talk. You just did. What happened here? Well, the drunk didn't know. How could he not know? Everyone within a hundred miles knew what happened here. In her mind, Mrs. Castalto went back to that morning, to the shaken voices on the other side of her wall. Oh, my God! My God! Oh! Then footsteps and another gruff voice swore in a way Mrs. Castalto had never, in all her life, not that word, said over and over again. There was the wet sound of something poured onto the street, a voice spitting and choking out they'd better call 911, another saying, I am. Brakes squealed, a car door opened, oh God Almighty, and over and over Jesus was asked to help, help them, please, please. All this Mrs. Castalto took in grudgingly, the way one takes in a malodorous gust her back straightening, her magazine pressing into her lap as if its pages would turn to wings and fly over the cement wall. That morning, Mrs. Castaldo called for her husband, who was in the john with his own magazines. He never answered from the john because it was his sacred place, from which he dished back to Mrs. Castaldo her own perfected tactical muteness. A flash of anger shot through her, the nerve. Though her auditory eavesdropping had the effect of sowing an electric nerve-choking weed in her body, accelerating her heartbeat and popping her eyes wide, and should have rooted her to the spot, and though she feared acquaintance with the macabre incident beyond her wall, the magnet of curiosity won out. The wrought-iron chair legs screamed in protest along the cobblestones as she pushed herself standing. She took turns of her cramped an ostentatious dining room at a sprint, banging into a chair. As the first police car showed up, siren and lights blaring, she cracked open the front door, just a small crack, but enough to let it in. How she wished she would have waited for her husband. 
she'd never be able to scrub the image from her mind as long as she lived. I know you're there, old woman. I can hear you breathing. You all right? You don't sound so good. The clinking sound of glass against glass said the drunk was messing with the shrine again. Hey, a kid bite it here? That what happened? At first people thought the little girl had been murdered, but Mrs. Castalto came forward and told the police what she'd heard. The officers couldn't possibly know what thermaturgy it was for her to speak to strangers, let alone make a statement. Though she lived three doors down, she didn't recognize the picture of a girl with honey-colored braids and a mouth full of braces. Did it matter? She didn't see a single thing until it was all over. What she saw were looping, sausage-like things, rib bones, and chunks of bloody meat so roast-like Mrs. Castalto vowed never to eat another. She didn't bother telling all that, but took the officers to the garden and pointed out the cement wall had no ornamental holes, no door. The officers poked around and were complimenting her paradise when a scream pierced the air. Then it collapsed, then erupted again like automatic weaponry. The girl's mother. You just heard an excerpt from my story, Mrs. Castalto's Garden, published by Owl Canyon Press. You can find this and 26 other great stories by going to owlcanyonpress.com.